everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Brush with Brit. I'm your host, Brit, a dental hygienist here in San Diego. I have about a year and a half worth of dental hygiene experience. And prior to that, I was a dental assistant for about eight years. And since then, I've created multiple social media platforms, including this podcast that you're listening to. And today's episode is actually season two, episode two. So we've come a long way. And today we have a special guest on. Her name is Sonia Dunbar. She's also known as the Geriatric Tooth Fairy on Instagram. And Sonia has 30 years of dental experience. And I think that we all need to just learn everything she has to tell us. Today, we're going to focus on geriatric care and how we can improve as a clinician and just become a more better, well-rounded clinician, especially when it comes to geriatric care. We're left with the few tools that we have from school, and sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes we need more than just what we get in dental hygiene school. So this episode is really going to inspire you to improve your geriatric care and just little tips and tricks here and there that will help you along the way. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brush with Brit. Today, I have a fabulous speaker, hygienist. She is very inspiring, and her name is Sonia Dunbar. And I just want to hear how you got started, how you got into dentistry, and how your passion came for elderly care. So I would love if you take the floor and introduce yourself and tell everybody about who you are, Sonia. And welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Britt. Thank you for inviting me here. I'm so excited always to share my passion and my love. I've been a hygienist for 30 years, and my um, desire to be a dental hygienist started when I was very young. When I was a young girl, I would stare at people and smile at them. I would stare smiling until they smiled back because even as a young girl, I always felt that a smile was something that you can give away and still keep for yourself, and it's absolutely free. But I, as a child, I noticed that everybody wouldn't smile back. And then I started noticing that people who were not happy with their teeth did not smile back. So growing up, I always wanted to give people a reason to smile because smile not only does your face good, but it does your body good. It does your mental good. So that's what got me into dentistry, wanting to make people's smiles better. I wanted to go to dental school, but I, I got married, had children, went in the military. And so I, I started doing hygiene. And it was the best thing because I was able to raise my children, make amazing money and spend time with them and be a present mother. So that was the best thing for me, being a hygienist. I think this career allows that you could work part time and still make amazing money and still spend time with your family and loved ones. So that's what started me into um, being a dental hygienist. Wow. I love that. From a young age, you're just out there smiling around. It's so <laughs> cute. And you said you have 30 years of experience as a hygienist? Yeah, I've been a dental hygienist for 30 years. That is amazing. And what led you? So um, for those of you who don't know, Sonia is the geriatric tooth fairy. <laughs> <laughs> So she specializes in geriatric um, patient care, and she also does mobile hygiene. So tell us what got you into or passionate about geriatric care. Thank you for asking. Well, um, what started me with geriatric oral care is 
when I was young, I would spend every summer with my grandmother. She was just like my best friend. She was the strongest woman I knew. Um, she just had, I would just sit on the porch with her and she would just, just pour wisdom all over me. And I would watch her with her friends and hang out with them. So she was just my best friend. When I, when I was 16, when I got my first car, she was the first person I went and picked up. I went and picked up my grandmother and we went cruising and hanging out. And so it, she was just amazing. And I always told her that I would take care of her. But when I went in the military and I moved from Michigan, she moved to Florida with me. And um, she became very ill with diabetes, have congestive heart failure. She had to get her leg amputated due to complications with diabetes. And she hit, lost her teeth when I was in the military. She had upper dentures and lower teeth. And against my heart and my will, I had to put her in a nursing home because she was overweight and I couldn't lift her and clean her and provide the care that she needed. So against everything that I promised her that I would never put her in a long-term care facility, I had to. But being that I had to, I was there every day. I went every morning and every evening to make sure she was taken care of. But I noticed that the staff was not taking out her dentures or even brushing her teeth. So when I went in, I would do it. Then her roommate seen me doing it and was like, hey, baby, can you clean my teeth? But my teeth don't come out like your grandmother's. So I went to brush her teeth, but it wasn't a toothbrush there. And I went to the nursing home staff. There was no toothbrushes in the whole nursing home. So I told the lady, I said, I'll come back tomorrow. I'll brush and floss her teeth. I went to the store, brought her a toothbrush, brush and floss her teeth. My grandmother was had congestive heart failure, but she smoked cigarettes. And she kept asking me to bring her cigarettes to the nursing home. I was like, Grandma, I'm not doing it. I'm not bringing you cigarettes to the nursing home. You have oxygen on you. You're going to blow up this place. So every day that I went to see her, I started noticing it was more and more people at the nursing home wanting me to clean their teeth. Come One day I went and I couldn't find my grandmother. She was in the courtyard smoking cigarettes. I, don't, I was like, Grandmother, what are you doing? Because it was a lot of people outside her room wanting their teeth clean, their dentures clean. And I asked my grandmother, she told me, she said, well, I told everyone if they give me two cigarettes, my granddaughter would clean their teeth. And she was bartering me out for <laughs> dental services to get cigarettes. So she was really an entrepreneur for me. But that started my journey of taking care of people's teeth in long-term care facilities because not to put down the staff, either they don't have time to do it and they don't know how to do it. CNAs maybe go to school, some of them maybe eight weeks, six weeks, maybe six months, I don't know. But dental, dental care is, is right coupled with nail polishing and, and hair care, when it really should be with wound care and medication. Because we all know as dental professionals, that if your mouth isn't healthy, your whole body isn't healthy, especially when you age and have a lot of comorbidities. So that's what started my journey. That's my passion to, to taking care of seniors was my grandmother. Um, my journey started after she expired. I knew that that was something that she would have wanted me to do. So I continued to do it for free. Then I figured out how to make it a business. I believe if you follow your passion, your, your gift will make room for you for finances. And it did. So now my husband and I have a mobile dental company and we service nursing homes throughout Florida, Georgia. And now we're going to South Carolina and we just have an amazing program where we do comprehensive dentistry, um, partner with dentists to provide care for seniors and long-term care facilities. The geriatric tooth fairy came about because 
I was able to put my hands and help people. Those are the only people I could help is the ones that I could physically touch or people in my company. So the geriatric tooth fairy was developed as an oral a geriatric oral care educator to educate the importance of oral care, to talk about medications that seniors take, to talk about xerostomia, to talk about how to be dementia friendly, how to treat the elderly patient, to talk about how to make our clinical offices um, geriatric friendly, to notice when people are phasing out. So the geriatric tooth fairy became the voice for seniors. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. I absolutely love that. And as a brand new baby hygienist that I still am, I feel like we do learn about geriatric care while in school. But once we get into the clinical setting, it's we don't get that real experience until we face it. And once we face it, we're like, oh, wait, you know, what should I do? Uh, how do I do this? Like, I'm not really sure exactly how to go about having a patient with dementia or what about their list of medications? Like, how do I go through that and make sure we're doing the right thing? So it, it's really challenging when you're brand new and then you totally just don't see geriatrics all that often that are super complicated or have uh, medical conditions. So it's it's a struggle and I could see where there can totally be a much higher need for better geriatric care. Absolutely. And if there's anyone uh, um, who is interested in learning more about it, I, I partner with a dentist called the geriatric dentist called Dr. Kaufman out of New York. And we wrote a book called The Tooth and Nothing But the Truth. And it has everything from A to Z about geriatric oral care. It talks about everything that you might want to know. But the biggest thing that I can tell anyone, you say you're a baby hygienist, and I just, I love it. <laughs> um, the best thing I can tell anyone when you're dealing with the senior population, one is to deal with them with respect. Don't call them by their first name. Mr. whatever their last name is, unless they tell you something. If they tell you they can you can call them John, then call them John. But until they say you can call them by their first name, it's Mr. Moore or Mr. Williams or Mr. Kaufman until they give you that. Because if you disrespect them, that's already going to start off at a bad note. Another tip that I can give you is um, never assume that they don't understand. You know, talk to them like they understand and talk to them. Don't ever use jargon or or certain words like slain or honey or baby, no baby talk. And then if they have dementia, you know, it's, it's I would tell anyone to find out if their office can be dementia friendly because there's a training that all dental professionals can take to make them dementia friendly, to know how to deal with the dementia patient. Some of them cannot be dealt with, but you need to know the signs. Let me give you an example. I teach a course called the NET. And what that is, it's a safety net to know when our patients are bridging out. Um, being a dental hygienist for 30 years, I worked in one practice for 15 years. So I was able to see my people when they were 50 years old. And then when they turn to, or they're 60 years old, when they get 70, I started noticing their children coming in with them. That's one sign. If there's a patient of yours who usually bring themselves to the dentist, but then when you go out in the waiting room, their daughter or son is with them, that's a sign. They can't drive anymore. Or if you notice that their medication list is picking up, 
That's a sign. So we want to keep in touch with them. We want to follow them out. That's where mobile intelligence can come in because eventually they may go live with their children or they may go in assisted living. And we want to have that arm that extends outside of our office to service them in wherever they move to. If they move into a nursing home, if they move into assisted living home, we want to take care of their teeth for the rest of their lives. Does that make sense? Yes. I have had it where, um, like you were saying, being able to see the signs and things like that. And I've had patients where I see differences just within however many months their cleanings are. And even just the smallest things, such as like making the room accessible, I've had it where there's, you know, two different operatories, but one of them is so much easier for the patient to get into. And I'm like, why wasn't that notated in the chart so that we don't put this patient through such agony trying to get to this other room that is so much harder for them to get into or maybe they're in a wheelchair or a walker and it's a further room or closer room so things like that I'm like this needs to be written in there so that we already are prepared for however that patient is or the things that we need to change when they come in and I had no idea that there was a I mean I I would assume there would be a class on how to deal with a patient that has dementia, but that is something that I would love to take because, or making the operatory accessible or the office, what did you say, dementia accessible? Dementia friendly. Dementia friendly. I teach a dementia-friendly course, I, I and, and, and I get the least amount of requests from dental offices. I teach it to the grocery stores, Grocery stores call me and tell me I teach dementia friendly to the cashiers, to the bad people, you know, so they'll know how to handle dementia friendly, dementia patients and people and know how to identify. I teach it to restaurants, doctor offices, but dental offices seem to be the least that request um, dementia friendly um, care. But it's so important, you know, for example, bright colors on our floors, like rugs with different lines on it. Someone that has dementia dementia, or have bifocals on, that could be intimidating when they're walking. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're talking, if there's music playing in the office, that extra music in the back can be confusing. You know, so there's a lot of little clues. You know, when you're teaching oral care or when you're giving oral care instructions, call the family member in with them. Or put your hand on their shoulder so they can pay attention. It's just little things that we can do to make it better when we're providing care for our seniors. Yeah. And how did this translate to your mobile dentistry? And tell me a little bit more about that part of your work. Thank you for asking. Well, like I said, it started with once my grandmother died, I started going to that one nursing home doing free care. And then when I figured out how to make it a business, I started going into other um, nursing homes. So when I say mobile, I don't I don't believe in taking a senior out of a nursing home and putting them in a van. So when I say mobile, I call it because it's too much of a liability to take a person out of a wheelchair. Unless you have a wheelchair lift in that van, it's just too much of a liability to move a senior. It's a reason why they're in a nursing home, not assisted living, but a nursing home. You require more care. So we have a van, but that the van, we just bring all our equipment in. That's mobile equipment for dentistry. And we take it in the nursing home. We set up in a music beauty salon or a room that they give us as long as it has a sink. And then we wheel the people down to us and we service them while they're in their wheelchair. We have to do an extraction. We put them in a jerry chair where we can lay it back. But we do not move people. The staff have to move them because 
elderly people can be super fragile and we don't want to rip any skin, skin tears, break any bones or anything like that that can harm anyone. We treat everyone. My staff is so special because we treat everyone as if they were our grandparents and how we want someone to treat them. But that's how we begin to go into mobile. Um, we started with the one nursing home, taking it in our car. Then once we got more than one nursing home and more, than, and we grew, grew, grew to different states. So we have vans all over. We have multiple nursing homes. We have different hygienists and different teams going in, providing the dental care in the long-term care facilities. I, I even often, I even coach people on how to start their own mobile dental company. Wow. And does, is there a dentist that goes along too, or is it the hygienist and the team or how many people actually go? Well, um, it depends. So we have dentists because we have direct supervision. We're not, you're in California where hygienists can practice independently, but in Florida and Georgia and the Carolinas, it's um, direct supervision where the dentist has to do an exam within 18 months. So once we usually take the dentist in first, he does all the exams and then we do the cleanings. But if we need to do extractions or something, we schedule days, we do simple fillings, we schedule days for the dentist to come back in. Or we'll do teledentistry exams, which works even better. So we have a combination. Oftentimes, it's the hygienist and a couple of assistants going alone. But when we need dental, other like dentures, partials, extractions, the dentist comes in. So those days are scheduled. We have several dentists on our team. Wow, that's super cool. Do you, is it something that you do on a daily basis or a, like a week, once a week or twice no, a week? We have no, we have we're we're many many we're in over forty nursing homes. So our team goes out every day, um, and we go to the nursing homes once a month to clean their teeth, maybe deplaque them, um, do exams when new people come in. So yes, we, it's a full time it's a full time business. What are some of the tips that you give the patients? Because I know that you know it could be extremely difficult for them to clean their own teeth. Um, is it something that you're teaching the staff as well that works there? Or are there certain tips that you like to specifically give the patient to um, that, that helps them the most? Well, you know, I try to talk to the patient because it's about quality of life and you want to give people the dignity. So I try to talk to them and tell them how to take care of their own mouth. But it's, it's important to remember it's a reason why they're there. So I allow the patients to do much as they can do on their own. Even when I go in, I say, hey, Mrs. Smith, can I, can you, you want to brush your teeth for me? And then she'll brush her teeth. And I say, oh my gosh, you've done such an amazing job. But there's a little plaque back there. Do you mind if I take my instrument and get it off? And it's all about the approach. And, you know, I give them that dignity to try on their own. And she'll say, sure. Because so I'll say, we really want to get that off because I want your mouth to be healthy and I want you to be healthy. So then she'll let me deplaque her. Then I'll maybe polish her and put some fluoride on there. If I see some surface decay, I'll do some silver diamond fluoride and then um, give them products. But the majority of my training is with the staff. I do staff in services very often, training the staff how to take care of the residents' teeth, why it's important. And the way I approach the staff is I tell them how to take care of their own teeth. Does that make sense? Because most <laughs> yes. of them are CNAs, and I tell them the importance of taking care of their own teeth. And we'll do um, complimentary exams on them, and I give them Crest toothpaste and brushes, and it gets them excited. And if I can get them to take care of their own teeth, then they'll take care of someone else's. But you can't expect someone to do something for someone else that they're not even doing for themselves. Yeah, I always think about how 
these patients are in nursing homes and the people working there, like you said, aren't usually trained on how to provide oral health or oral care to their patients. So it's really great to hear that you even give them complimentary exams and you're teaching them. So you're kind of getting both. You're teaching the staff and you're also teaching the patients as well. So that's super cool. Is this something that you're going to um, expand on? I know you said you're already going to like one state, but are you going to go like, what's Sonia's plan? Well, we're in three states now. We're in Florida, Georgia, and we in, in South in South Carolina. Three states already. That's amazing. Are you planning to expand further than that? I'm not sure. Well, um, because we have the National Mobile Intelligence Conference, um, we're just going to right now. I mean, right now, I'm encouraging other people to become mobile. Yes. The, the more people that we can get mobile and going into schools because the kiddos are suffering in so many areas, so many areas, especially in California, so many in Texas, so many young people all over don't have access to care. So um, I'm, I think mobile is as a new form of dentistry. It's been around forever, but it's the way to reach people in underserved areas. Yeah, I was thinking about the access of care to children as well and elderly people. Um, what, as far as like the the payment process and things like that, and, and how these patients pay for these cleanings from you, is that something that's done through insurance, or is that something that it's paid like out of pocket? I, I'm just curious as to how these patients are able to pay for the mobile dentistry care. Well, most of the people in the nursing home is either Medicaid, Medicare, or the nursing home will pay. Okay. So we get paid from that. And we, most of the time with the kiddos, which is not my area of expertise, but I do train people to go into the schools and underserved areas. I know that's mostly Medicaid yeah. for underserved. So, yes, we get paid. It's, it's, and then sometimes families just pay. Yeah. You know, in some of the more affluent areas, assisted living homes, families pay top dollars. I even go into group homes. I go to um, individual homes. So it's just such a need for mobile dentistry. And going back to the patient and um, when they had have complex medical histories and things like that, how do you go about reviewing the medical history and going through all the medications that they're taking? Because I know sometimes it can get pretty complicated. So what is your approach to doing that? Well, what we do before we even see people, and, and this is what I would recommend someone is working in private practice, v view your charts the day before. That way you'll know if someone has congestive heart failure. If they have congestive heart failure, they're an older person, you might not want to recline the chair all the way back because they have problems bleeding. Um, if they're on blood thinners, you might want to know that because most people don't come off blood thinners for regular cleaning. So you just might want to be mindful that you don't, you know, lacerate the gums, which I know we as hygienists don't, but sometimes we slip up. You don't want to, you know, make any unnecessary bleeding. Um, so I review the medical history before I see the people. That way I know what I'm dealing with. I know if someone's on high blood pressure, antidepressants and diabetes, and then they're senior, a lot of those medications cause them to have a dry mouth. So 
What I don't want to do is one, if they're a mouth breather, have their mouth open too long without giving them frequent breaks. And then I don't, and I want to make sure my mirror is wet so that it's not sticking to their mouth, their cheek. So it's just little tips that we can do, making sure their lips are moisturized, making sure they're hydrated when they come. If their mouth is dry, offer them some water, let them sit up, drink some water, get that moisture in there, and then give them xylitol tips. Say, listen, you might want to get some xylitol gum and, and tell them some xylitol tall toothpaste or um, something with fluoride in it because if they have dry mouth, you know, the plaque is sticking. So you might want to, um, you know, ask the dentist to write a prescription for some fluoride toothpaste or um, some MI paste. So there's a lot of things. Um, Boco has a, the Remy Pro is very good. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can do as little tips to help make our patients' lives better. But I also encourage people, if you're going to have an older person that you're working on, don't put them in the middle of your schedule. Put them before your lunch or make them your last patient so that they don't feel rushed, so that you don't feel rushed. If you put them at nine o'clock and you have a 10 o'clock, you can't rush them. Don't, that's the last thing someone want to make. You don't want to make them feel like they're not important. So give that extra time for your elderly patients. Does that make sense? Yes, that's really good. I love that advice. One thing I really would like you to touch on, and I talk about it often, but I would like to hear your outlook on the importance of taking a patient's blood pressure. Oh my. <laughs> well, I would not touch a patient without taking their blood pressure, especially with the, the demographic that I deal with. Because to me, the last thing you want is someone, and so a patient did die when I was working on them, you know, yeah, yeah. Wow. So it, it was just their time. It wasn't related to their blood pressure, but, you know, they died, yeah. you know. So blood pressure is critical. We cannot be in too much of a rush because especially if it's an elderly patient. Now, hear me when I say this. If it's an elderly patient, they could already be nervous. And if they have hypertension, you lay them back and they're already nervous and something happens with their heart, that would be on you for the rest of your life. It takes five minutes, not even five minutes, to take a blood pressure. You know, I've, I've, I've dismissed patients for not seeing them because their blood pressure was too high or too low. Yeah. Okay? So, colleagues, do not play with that because that could ruin your life, that can kill someone, and it, it could ruin your career. This is nothing to play with. I'm 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 100 on blood pressure. I love that. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. That's all. I'm off the soapbox. I'm off the soapbox. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you so much for that. I um am always talking about that, and I think that I just always am trying to hone it into, you know, the new hygienists who get out there because there are unfortunately so many offices out there who are not checking it, you know, and of course you're going to check it on your elderly patients or you're giving an SRP, but we should be checking it on every single patient. And like you said, it's less than five minutes. So should, we should not be doing the bare minimum. You know, we have exactly. the one minute to take it and just really give the care to our patients that they need. And, and then let me tell you something else. People want to know that. You know, if you ask someone, can you take their blood pressure? I mean, 99% of the time they're going to say yes. And they want to know what their blood pressure is. Because a lot of times, let me tell you, when I was in hygiene school, and I'll never forget this. 
I was at a rotation. You know how when you're in school, they rotate you to like clinics. Yeah. And I was, I went to the VA and it was a man. Um, and he had to do, he had to get four quadrants done and his mouth smelled like acetone, like nail polish remover. And I, I told my teacher, I, my professor, I said, his, his breath smells like nail polish remover. And I, I kept, you know, he, had, he was on a second visit, his second SRP. And she came over and she said, Sonia, that's ketose. She said, that's a sign of diabetes. And I'll never forget it. So I told, she said, tell him to go get checked. He was an African-American man, maybe about 53 years old. Um, it was over 30 years ago. But I remember this because I believe I saved his life because he didn't come back for his third SRP. And he, he missed his appointment. Then the next time he came, he gave me a hug. He said, when I left there, I went to the doctor. He said, my blood sugar was really, really high. They they gave me a, a, a shot of insulin in my belly and they put me in the hospital. He said, that's why I missed my last appointment. He said, I was about to go into a diabetic coma. He said, you saved my life. So this is what I'm saying. It's, it's, we're just not the cleaning lady. No, we are healthcare providers. Yes. And, 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 and when we respect our own profession, other people will. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I feel like this is what I'm always trying to put out there. And I am just loving everything that you said. It is. It's so true. And, you know, as much as we hate being seen as just the cleaning lady, we need to do the things and educate our patients in order for them to understand that we're not that we're so much more than that. So something as simple as taking a patient's blood pressure and teaching them why we're doing it is so important. And if you start doing that for these patients at a young age, they're going to be so weirded out when they go to a dentist that isn't checking their blood pressure. Like, why <laughs> you didn't take my blood pressure? Yeah, they're <laughs> like, when, <laughs> when is that coming? Because all my other hygienists have been doing it. You know, right now we're stuck in the, oh, this office hasn't been doing that. And we're trying to make up for things that have been slacked on the past couple or years and years. So I know that there are a lot of hygienists out there who um, struggle with that. You know, we go to a, a new office and they say, oh, we don't even we don't even know where the blood pressure cuff is at, you know. So then they don't want to be the hygienist to be like, why are we not taking blood pressure? You know, they, they're the new hygienist. They don't want to speak up. But I'm always telling the hygienist that right now we have to since we are the new ones or even if you're you've been in clinic and you're you've been practicing for years and years and you haven't been taking blood pressure start now you know why not we have to advocate for hygienists and show the world why why we're so important in healthcare and what we do is not just the mouth so yeah that's right <laughs> the, and, and we have to be advocates for mouth body connection we have to do that because when people go to the medical doctors, the medical doctors are not talking about the mouth. So we have to talk about the mouth and the body connection. So when our patients go to the doctor, they're telling the doctor, look, my dentist and my hygienist said that this and this and this and this and this and this. So everything is connected to the mouth. Yes, it is. Oral systemic health. Connected. They're not separate. You <laughs> your mouth is not separated from your body. They are together. <laughs> That's it. The whole situation. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I absolutely cannot wait for all the listeners to hear this. I think that it's going to be incredibly moving and motivating. And I, I want to end it on a question for you. 
what is the one thing you wish to see all hygienists practice when seeing their elderly patients? The one thing that I want, I would love to see all hygienists do when seeing their elderly patients is treat them with respect, treat them with kindness and love because we, no one knows when it's our last day on this earth, but we know that we hope to get old. So if someone's older, they may be closer to, you know, being to their last few days. So give them respect and give them a quality of life. Take care of their mouths, treat them with dignity and respect. You know, we talk about blood pressure. We talk about teaching them um, oral care and everything like that. But the best thing that you can do is respect them, show them that you care about their mouths and take your time and give them that necessary love. Oh, thank you so much, Sonia. I appreciate you being on the podcast so much. Please let everybody know where they can find you, what your handle is, your website, whatever information you want to give. Please let them know. Thank you for asking. I would at my, my website is soniadumbar.com. And I'm really, 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 I'm looking at my Instagram. My goal is to really grow my Instagram. Yes. So if you can follow my Instagram at, I think it, let me see. Geriatric Tooth Fairy. I think there might be a hyphen. Geri- there might geriatric be a underscore Tooth Fairy. Yep, there's Geriatric underscore Tooth Fairy. Please follow my Instagram. Yes, and I give a lot of freebies away. So I would love to have you as followers. <laughs> thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast and share my passion. Yes, thank you so much, Sonia. And everybody, I will leave all of Sonia's description information in the description box of this episode. So please go follow her and I will be posting and tagging her and everything on my Instagram as well. So we look forward to you guys following her and learning more about geriatric care. So thank you so much, Sonia. It was wonderful to have you. Bye.